Welcome to Healing at the Speed of Light. Every week, we discuss how laser therapy is changing healthcare and how you can benefit. Now, here is your host and founder of Laser Therapy Institute, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hey, tomorrow, March 31st at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, we are doing a very special live webinar all about lung inflammation and fibrosis and utilizing laser for that condition as well as using laser therapy to reinforce the immune system. You don't want to miss this. Again, this is tomorrow, March 31st, 1 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time live webinar you can find the link in the show notes you can find it on our facebook as well i encourage you to join us for that we are going to talk today on a regularly scheduled podcast all about bell's palsy hello and welcome back to healing at the speed of light i am your host dr jason roundtree and i'm excited to be talking to you today for a couple of reasons one we've got a new microphone so hopefully you're enjoying the crisp clear audio from our new equipment And number two, we're going to be talking today about a condition that has a lot of emotional and psychological side effects that go along with it. And it's a physical condition, but it's one that really drastically affects those uh, that suffer with it because of the way they have to go about their day-to-day, some of the questions that they have to answer. And we're talking about Bell's palsy. Now, if you've experienced this yourself or you've watched somebody else go through it, you know the a few things about it. For one, it's not life-threatening, but it is kind of initially disturbing and worrisome, and then as the disease kind of progresses and hopefully resolves, it can be emotionally uh, difficult to deal with because of the physical appearance. So if you're not familiar with Bell's palsy, here's what it is. It's a one-sided paralysis of the face. It's not too, too common, but it does happen out there. It's, it's listed as being a rare disorder. Um, but it's, uh, it's one of those that many times people will mistake this one for a stroke initially. And the thing is, it is difficult um, as a non-medical person to differentiate this from a stroke. So you always want to have a good emergency medical evaluation whenever you have any kind of paralysis, whether it's of an arm, a leg, or the face. Now... In this case, it is not a stroke. It's not stroke-related. What it is is it's trauma to the seventh cranial nerve, which is called the facial nerve, and that's the one that gives you a control of the muscles of the face, but not sensation. So in most cases of Bell's palsy, you don't really feel much for, for pain or numbness or tingling, but definitely you'll get the paralysis, and this will involve the forehead, and from the kind of side of the nose, basically from midline, over the entire side of the face. So you'll see some, some drooping to the corner of the mouth. A lot of times people have difficulty eating and drinking or have a little bit of drooling out that side. Oftentimes this comes with an inability to close the eye, so you can have eye dryness. And in, in some occasions this will involve some headache and uh, some pain as well. The most obvious one, though, is the expression abnormality. So when somebody goes to smile or laugh or, or even just talk, you know, there's a very drastically noticeable uh, change to that side of the face and the mouth. And that's one that usually bothers people the most, right, is, is that kind of abnormal appearance. And when they're out and about and then having to explain to people, no, it's not a stroke, no, it's, 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 it's a palsy, it's Bell's palsy, it should hopefully resolve on its own. And, and that is and many times the case, is the treatment is to basically wait for this to recover kind of spontaneously on its own. It often takes weeks, though, 
can take quite a while, and some cases don't recover. So the, the current treatments are corticosteroids, or, you know, kind of a, like an oral um, cortisone that you can take to reduce inflammation. Um, and then some physical therapy sometimes is prescribed to help patients with learning some exercises to do, maybe get a little bit of massage to try and help the muscles recover as they start to get nerve signals again. Because what happens is that nerve gets irritated or traumatized somehow. It can be an infection, it can be an inflammatory process, um, but once, once that nerve is irritated, it basically stops sending signals to the muscles of the face. And then the idea is that over time, that starts to recover, and the muscles start getting signals again. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump to the end here for just a second, so spoiler alert. We're talking about today a particular study. This study was published in Lasers and Medical Science in 2014, and it's titled The Efficacy of High and Low-Level Laser Therapy in the Treatment of Bell's Palsy, a Randomized, Double-Blind, Placebo-Controlled Trial. Let me break that down for you. Basically, they're comparing high-power and low-power laser to uh, just exercises only. They took a bunch of people, randomized them into groups, and then they blinded it so that the patients getting the care and the therapist delivering the care didn't know uh, who was doing what, if who was getting the real treatment and who was not getting the real treatment. We're going to jump to the end, though. I'm going to give you a, the end of this whole story before we get into, the, into the, uh, the details. Because we're talking about how Bell's palsy is treated, and, and many times it's a wait and watch and hope. And what this particular study said is, quote, about 31% of Bell's palsy patients who do receive the appropriate treatment may suffer from incomplete recovery with residual facial muscle weakness. So even with waiting, watching, and with proper treatment, which oftentimes does include steroids or physical therapy, about a third of patients can still end up with ongoing problems after the condition has, quote, resolved, right? I'll go on to continue quoting from the article. They say, The course of Bell's palsy is often unpredictable, and spontaneous recovery should not be expected. Those who do not spontaneously recover with traditional medicines and therapies will retain a notable consequence of their paralysis, which may have been preventable if they had received complementary treatment with laser. Within 15 days of the diagnosis. Therefore, laser represents an excellent physical, complementary therapy that allows recovery from facial paralysis, diminishes the possibility of side effects due to corticosteroids, and reduces the consequent results of the paralysis, which can only be treated with traditional therapy. Importantly, this treatment modality, meaning laser, can be administered to patients who cannot tolerate corticosteroids and thus allows for recovery in a noticeable manner. That's where we're going to go with today's episode, all right? Basically, Bell's palsy, one-sided paralysis of the facial muscles, oftentimes just you're told to wait and let it recover. This study is straight up saying that laser should be done within, should be started within the first 15 days after the diagnosis to minimize the chance that you're in that one-third of patients who have ongoing problems even after this disease is resolved. So that's where we're going. Let's talk about um, 
this study in particular. And just as a reminder, you know, especially in the medical field, we like talking in terms of percentages and percent of success versus percent failure. And when we when we talk about, you know, 60-some percent, 69% or so, people are going to recover just fine. It's so easy to just kind of leave out the percentage of people who don't recover. So just to emphasize, yes, many times people will recover pretty well with this. But we're talking about those who don't and trying to minimize the percentage of people who don't have full return of facial muscle control. Because that's the worry. when you're When you're dealt this, when you end up with... A Bell's palsy. That's the concern right, that I see with people all the time is they go, what if I don't recover? I've been told that I'll be fine, but what if I'm in that percentage that doesn't? Well, this is all about reducing the likelihood of being in that percentage of people who don't recover. Okay, so this particular study, right? So this is 2014. This was published. They chose laser for a couple reasons. I'll again give you a quote from the study. Laser therapy has a favorable prognosis in the regeneration of peripheral nerves in both neurosensory and neuromotor deficits. So sensation and movement. And conditions such as trigeminal neuralgia, neuropathy, lower back pain with sciatica pain, and herpes zoster. That's shingles. So application of a laser produces both local and systemic effects that can enhance the nerve regeneration process because with Bell's palsy, that's exactly what we're talking about is regenerating the nerves. Moreover, laser improves the recovery of the injured peripheral nerve. Laser increases the functional activity of the injured peripheral nerve, prevents or decreases degeneration in the corresponding motor neurons of the spinal cord, and improves the axonal growth and myelinization. That's a lot of really technical terms. Their point in saying all this is that laser stimulates the recovery and regeneration of the nerves that have been damaged, which is the whole point when you talk about trying to fix Bell's palsy or address Bell's palsy. Corticosteroids just reduce irritation, and then you just hope that the body can heal it. We're talking about using laser specifically to regenerate the damaged nerves. Also, laser therapy is considered a non-invasive and painless therapeutic modality, quoting from the study here again, that can be used for any type of patient, including those who cannot use corticosteroids, such as diabetic and hypertensive patients. So that's why they picked laser for this study. And because we already had some results with low-power laser therapy, they decided if we're going to be doing this, let's compare high-intensity laser therapy to low-level laser therapy. They went ahead and gave all the groups exercises too. So we had three groups in the study. Had one with a high-intensity laser, had one with a low-level laser, and then had one with just exercise, but everybody got the exercises. They took 48 subjects and divided them into three groups, they started care within three to five days after the initial diagnosis. And that's important. If you're dealing with this and it's chronic, it's going to be tough to take care of. That doesn't mean you're without hope. You should still definitely get it assessed. And laser therapy can be very useful in chronic cases. But in this particular study, we are talking about the acute cases. They've just been diagnosed and they get to start laser fairly rapidly. So they split these... Uh, these people into the three groups, and in the laser therapy groups, those were split into high-intensity and low-level laser, and what they did is they lasered eight different points on that affected side of the face. Now, in the high-intensity groups, they only had to spend seven seconds per point. In the low-level laser groups, they had to spend a full two minutes and five seconds. 
So it took a lot longer, but they did the same spots, you know, the, the same basic energy delivery, because with a high-intensity laser, you can deliver more laser quickly than with a low-level unit. And here's what they saw, is that all three groups showed good improvement, even the groups that just had exercise, which is great. But the groups that had the low-level laser therapy had faster recovery than just the exercise group. And what they found further is that the group that had the high-intensity laser, not only were their treatments faster, but they had the best improvement of all three groups. So what are the real takeaways when we start talking about this? Well, for one, Bell's palsy should be taken seriously. You shouldn't just wait and watch and hope that it recovers because, like we said just a little while ago, there's a percentage who do not spontaneously recover. And they may have ongoing consequences which, again, may have been preventable if they had gotten laser therapy within those first couple weeks. So I think it's important, even if you've not dealt with this yourself, it's important to get this knowledge out there because many people who are dealing with the ongoing effects of having had Bell's palsy, if they did not fully recover, they could get laser and see some improvements. But also, if, you're, if you have an acute attack, now you know that it's important to go ahead and get laser therapy as soon as you can because it really can make a big difference. I mean, it's pretty rare to see a study come out and say, look, you should be getting laser uh, pretty quickly if you have this diagnosis so that you can avoid some of, the, some of the chronic effects that can occur if you don't have that full recovery. Your other takeaway here is that there are certain ways to do this that are better than others. Right? Not just any laser will do. So you need to have the right equipment and you need to have the right type of techniques for this to have the best results. It's often been said that any laser is better than no laser. And I think this study really illustrates that well. Some laser is going to be better than none. However, your very best results will happen with, typically, in this case, a high-intensity laser used in the right manner in the right times. These, these patients were treated three times a week for six weeks in this study. So it may take some time, but it's absolutely worth your investment and your time to get this done so that you can avoid the chronic effects of this Bell's palsy, this one-sided facial paralysis. If you have questions on your particular case, if you have questions about this study or uh, the type of laser that should be used, or you want to know where a doctor is who can help you with this particular condition, please get a hold of us. Go to our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can find a provider near you. And if you're having trouble with that, again, just email us. We'll be happy to help you find the right type of care. I will see you next week. Subscribe to this weekly podcast for more great information. Find a certified laser therapy clinic near you at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you're a healthcare provider, check out our practitioner-focused Laser Therapy Institute podcast. Thanks for listening.